if that medication is not covered on one form there, but it might be covered on another and be very reasonably cost. That really helps set that patient's expectation. So then when you go to the pharmacist, they know, oh, give them this card so that I'll get the best price for that particular medication. That's Neil Simon, Chief Technology Officer at EMDs, talking about medication affordability and adherence. In a thought leader panel discussion on that topic, Neil is joined by Scott Maginus, Youssef Ahmed, and Kelly Bundy, all managers of product innovation at SureScripts. But before we turn to that discussion, let's first hear a word from our sponsors. Medical Practice Excellence Financial Conference is an industry-leading financial management conference designed to arm healthcare professionals with the education and tools needed to run a more profitable and efficient practice. The financial conference brings together leading financial experts from across the healthcare spectrum to discover the secrets to thrive during challenging times by digging deep into financial management, payer contracting analysis, and negotiation. The conference is held March 31st through April 2nd, 2022 in Atlanta. Go to mgma.com events to register today. As a healthcare organization, you routinely check your patient's health, but when was the last time you checked the financial health of your business? Don't let bad billing processes keep you from your hard-earned revenue. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes, so you can see out a claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com assessment. Welcome and thanks everyone for joining our podcast today about medication affordability and adherence and how embedded technologies and physician workflows are creating efficiencies in the prescription process. Um, I want to just have all of our experts here uh, have a moment to introduce themselves. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So Scott, let's start with you. Yeah, hey everyone, Scott Marajunas. Uh, I am a manager on our product innovation team at Churchscripts. Have just under a decade's worth of healthcare experience and really focused on innovation and helping the industry solve really kind of critical uh, issues that relate to uh, communicating key clinical data. And so happy to be here. Uh, excited to be talking to you about this important topic. Thanks so much. Um... Neil, let's hear from you next. Uh, tell us about yourself and a uh, little bit more about what you've got going on in your world right now. Thanks, uh, I'm Neil Simon. I'm the Chief Technical Officer here at CGM. Uh, I've been in the industry now for over 20 years. Uh, been a big partner of SureScripts for, for many years, uh, testing and helping them roll out uh, new products. And I'm definitely involved in the EHR space and the ambulatory physician market. Thanks so much, Neil. Yusuf, uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, hi everyone, uh, Yusuf Ahmed. Uh, I'm a manager at, of product innovation here at SureScripts, um, focused on the real-time prescription benefit service. Been in the industry for about 12 plus years and uh, uh, I'll have to say this is one of the best products I've worked on. Um, very exciting, I'm bringing this information to prescribers at the time, at the point of care. That's great, thank you, Yusuf. And then best for last, uh, Kelly Bundy, uh, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Bundy. I'm a manager in product innovation at SureScripts. I focus on our electronic prior authorization service. I've been in healthcare for over 15 years um, in patient-facing roles as well as healthcare IT. So excited to be here today. Okay. Thanks so much. Now, we are going to be talking to all of our uh, experts here today and kind of going around the stage here, talking to them about different aspects of this topic. So, Neil, I want to start with you. In our rapid fire conversation today, we'll cover almost every stage of the prescription journey. Um, from your perspective, where do you see most room for growth in the price portion of prescription adherence discussions or the process portion? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, there's definitely a lot of area for growth, both, both in looking at how physicians look at the data and trust the data, as well as getting, you know, better and more accurate pricing information. I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, one thing that's important for physicians to know is they can trust the information and there's available for a wide variety of patients. And so we're, you know, trying to get coverage now for not just patients who have insurance, where there has been a lot of data in the past, but also for patients that might not have prescription coverage and how can they get the, the best value for their medication. You know, it's really important. What we want to do really is prevent surprises for the patient. You give them a script and they get to the pharmacy and they can't afford it, they, you know, that's where they won't maybe not take the script to go to the pharmacy at all. So the better information and accurate information we give to that patient, whether they're insured or not, I think is a, definitely an area. And how do we make it easy for the provider to do it? They're stretched for time. So they really may, need to make sure whatever process we come up with is really part of their workflow. It makes it very easy for them to do. So those are things that I think are really important uh, for us continuing to improve upon and expand moving forward. Okay. Neil, any particular pain points you're hearing from those providers when you're talking to them that's going, okay, okay, we're doing the right thing here because here are some solutions for you. I mean, definitely, you know, we've, we've had a lot of really positive feedback from our providers and, and how this all was. And I've, you know, what's been pleasant is I've had many providers tell me, you know, I really didn't think this was important or something that I really needed to concern myself with. But then once they were able to communicate with the patient and have one of those conversations of, oh, this drug I was going to prescribe you was $100. And here's an alternative that might be $10. And the patient was like, oh, that's really helpful. I wouldn't have taken the other drug. And then they are on therapy and they actually improve. Uh, their, their uh, treatment, they really said, wow, this is really something more meaningful than I thought and not just something that wasn't my responsibility. And those were really made me smile and feel like, hey, we really added value for the patient and the provider. That's always, that's always a good feeling. When you know you've done something the right way, it's, it's always a win-win there for uh, all sides. So thanks so much for that, Neil. Um, Scott, I want to turn to you now. So what are... Uh, the two or three foundational elements that help us chart a more successful course for both the price and the process that we're talking about today. Yeah, so, you know, as, as Neil mentioned, you know, if you think about the prescribing process as a sequence of steps, step one is finding the right patient prescription insurance coverage and determining whether or not a drug is covered, which we refer to at SureScripts as eligibility and formulary. And having this benefit information upfront and seamlessly integrated in the workflow is critical as it powers a, a lot of our downstream workflows that enhance the prescribing process. And Kelly and Yusuf will kind of touch on that more. Um, you know, again, this, this process has been integrated into clinical workflows all over the country today. And it's largely invisible, actually, the prescriber, given the level of automation and lack of needed user input 
which is great from a provider experience, you know, mitigating alert fatigue, not having as many pop-ups, um, making it easy is, is really kind of the key there. And without that information, the prescriber is essentially flying blind. She won't know whether the drug is covered or not, whether there are coverage requirements such as prior authorization and pricing information like copay and, and, and other uh, elements. And so when you step back and think of the scale of impact that this information has on our healthcare system, it's really amazing. In 2020 alone, this benefit data informed over 3.2 billion care events. Wow. For <laughs> 1 million prescribers supported by SureScript's master patient index that is home to 320 million patient coverages or almost 95% of insured Americans. And so we know this information matters to prescribing outcomes. This year we saw that new prescriptions informed, new prescriptions informed by this data had 2.7% higher pickup rates than those without it. Um, that's, that's a tremendous lift to adherence, which we all know is, is a stubborn issue and, and directly impacts patient outcomes. So um, a lot of this stuff happens behind the scenes, but is absolutely critical. Wow. Those numbers are, uh, I'm trying to get my head around those, but those are just staggering numbers and congratulations on that. That's, that's really cool. Um, I want to stay with you, Scott. So what are the ways that you're improving the prescriber and pharmacist experience um, really at this foundational stage of prescribing? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, I personally am really excited by the product innovation in the space that has accelerated even in the last couple of years, driven by advancements in API technology and advanced analytics. So in particular, I am most excited about two new improvements we're rolling out to market that involve one, you know, getting smarter about identifying the right patient coverage. So turns out uh, taking certain patient demographic information and tying that to insurance is, is quite a complex and difficult process. Um, and we have uh, you know, refined our patient matching algorithm over the last several years to really kind of fine tune how we, how we identify and match patients. So, um, you know, what we call near matches, finding patients that have maybe relocated across the US and have different addresses or patients that use nicknames or maybe their names have changed um, based on their marital status, et cetera. Um, our algorithm can kind of take those uh, changes into account and more accurately identify those patients. So that's, that's one key area that we're really excited about. We're seeing a, a dramatic improvement in our match rate as a result. The second area is around flagging primary coverages when multiple coverages exist, right? We know that there's a, a large dual eligible population out there, commercial and Medicare, um, around 20% or so of patients have multiple coverages. And so being able to identify, hey, this is the priority coverage and flagging that makes a, makes a world of difference from the prescriber's perspective. Okay. And the second area is around using API technology to enable more timely access to formulary and benefit data. So we're excited to be rolling out a new service called on-demand formulary that delivers more timely benefit data and saves costs by removing a relatively arduous download process for the EHR and ultimately providing more accurate data at the point of care. Mm -hmm. I want to follow up with one thing there. You talked about the patient algorithms. Explain that a little bit. That piqued my interest. I wanted to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I am not a data scientist, so <laughs> I will give you, give you the very high level voiceover, but essentially, sure. 
you know, what we're doing here is we're, um, we, we built a, a, a master patient index that has around 320 million patient coverages, right? And so think of this as a list of patients tied to particular insurance plans. And based on certain patient demographics that we request uh, or that the provider requests at the point of care, think first name, last name, date of birth, gender, et cetera, we're able to identify which patients are at the point of care with those in our master patient index and, and make that match. And so it's, um, there's a lot of you know, science and um, analytics that are, that are obviously built into that, into that capability. And obviously with coverage of over 95% of insured Americans, I think we have a pretty good, pretty good footprint. Okay, thanks for that. Um, Neil, uh, we were listening to Scott describe about the patient identity matching, the algorithms. So from your experience, how does either the success or failure of this step impact workflows in patient care and really eventually the adherence? Well, you know, it, it has to do with how physicians depend on the system. You know, one of the biggest complaints that we got, especially, you know, when we first rolled this out a long time ago is, well, I know this patient has coverage and you show nothing, or I'm trying to download these patients' medication history and there's no data there, right? So if it doesn't match up the patient and no results come back in, you know, the physician doesn't know whether it's a bug in the system, whether that patient really has no coverage, maybe they think they do and they don't, um, you know, what it is. And so that really adds to, you know, it, it impedes physician adoption. It doesn't give them confidence in the system. So the more that all these improvements, the algorithm allow us to return more data in a more timely fashion. And then the providers get to really feel like they can rely on the system. And that makes a big, uh, a big difference to, to the providers. Um, you know, and also you mentioned multiple coverages. You know, I think a lot of times patients don't even know they have multiple coverages or understand that, oh, which one should I use, right? You know, they just show, oh, here's what I got to the pharmacist. And if you can, especially on, you know, different coverages, many formularies are really, really different. So if you can find, if that medication is not covered on one formulary, but might be covered on another and be very reasonably cost, that really helps set that patient's expectation. So then when you go to the pharmacist, they know, oh, give them this card so that I'll get the best price for that particular medication. Okay. Scott was talking about the data. So from a decision-making uh, perspective, how is that impacted when better data is available through the on-demand formulary? I'm going to stay with you on that, Neil. Um, you know, it, it really, again, it, it helps provide the provider uh, better, you know, information they need and, you know, better, more accurate information. You know, a lot of times, and we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit later, we talk about um, prior authorization or some of the other special instances of the medication that that information wasn't accurate or up to date, or maybe it was appropriate for the formulary, but not for that specific patient. And all those things matter to the provider because in the end, it's that patient getting a script and it really matters what's in it for me in the end is what's really important, not maybe what's the total on that coverage and stuff like that. So I think having that, the really accurate information, you know, one of the things that you know, I was thinking of as he was talking about that we try to do is we try to keep it simple. So the information is really at a high level, but then you can drill down if you need to, right? It's always uh, like, like in real life, right? The devil's always in the details, but you don't want to always see the details that overwhelms you from using the system. So how can we make it really easy to see at the high level? And then if the details are important, you can drill down and understand the specifics for that patient or some of the specific exceptions for that particular medication and formulary. But at a high level at a glance, 
you know, providers have to do these things in seconds. So in just a few seconds, they have to get a glance of, oh, here, here's the alternatives. Yes, this drug's on formulary. No, it's not on formulary. I, I make really kind of branch my trees really quickly based on those decisions and then drill down if I need to. Um, you know, I think it's really important. The other thing that we talk about a lot of times is what's meaningful. You know, if a drug is cheaper by a dollar, you know, most physicians probably aren't going to make a difference in that drug if it's the difference is a dollar. But when you get to $25 or $50 or $100, yeah. now, you know, it really matters. And so let's help the provider spend their time where it's really meaningful, not where we're talking about, you know, 50 cents or a dollar or something. Okay. You were talking about money and that's where we want to go next. So we want to switch gears a little bit to knowing the details behind the dollars in prescription drug pricing. Um, Yusuf, I want to turn to you for this aspect of it. So how can understanding the details behind the coverage and dollars impact the process, the patient experience, and, and really ultimately the patient outcomes? I mean, we were hearing from Neil there about what a big difference that can make, but uh, help us understand that side of it a little bit better. Yeah, thanks for that question, Daniel. Um, and honestly, I get really excited every time I talk about this service. Um, so like mentioned before, right? It's all about a step-by-step -step process in the physician's workflow. So, um, you know, by this stage, you know, the patient has been identified and matched, like Scott talked about, their, their coverage has been confirmed. And, you know, the provider's even gotten to the point where they've narrowed down their prescription to a therapy that is on the patient's formulary on their plan. And now the provider's ready to prescribe. But, you know, they still may not know the exact price of that prescription. So the question is, why is this even an issue, right? Well, yeah, let's think about that for a second. Um, you know, I just want to share a couple of stats here. You know, SureScripts uh, commissioned a survey where they surveyed, you know, more than a thousand U.S. patients to understand their prescription challenges, their behavior, and you know, ultimately how their experience with their prescription affects their healthcare decisions that they make. Right. Um, so one of the questions was, have you ever not taken a medication because it was too expensive? And what we found in that survey was 53%. So over half the patients had said at some point they didn't take a medication because it was too expensive. And then we follow that up with, you know, have you ever not taken a medication because it took too long to fill? And 29% of the patients, so almost a third, just under a third, said at some point they didn't take a medication because it just took too long to fill. Now there's a lot in that why it took too long to fill, but a big reason for that are, you know, our prior authorizations. I know Kelly will talk a lot about that, but that's a big part of this. So, you know, it really is very powerful information there. And what do we do with the service is we're trying to bring that information as far upstream in the patient's journey as possible. So rather than the patient getting that sticker shot, like Neil described at the pharmacy or finding out that, hey, you know, there's a prior authorization needed for this and it might take a day, two days a week. We're trying to get that information into the provider's hand at the time that they're writing the prescription. So they can have that conversation with the patient <clears throat> about the cost. So what information are we bringing in, right? We're bringing in the cost for that prescription specifically for that patient um, based on where they are in their deductible, based on where they are in their out-of-pocket maximum, we're getting that information directly from the payer at that instant of time, as if the patient was at the pharmacy. So that's the cost. But as we know, a lot of times that cost could be too high. Uh, in Neil's example, maybe it was $100. 
we're also bringing in alternatives. So the, the payer has the ability through the service to send in, hey, here's up to five drug alternatives or medication alternatives that the physician can then look and say, are these clinically equivalent? They can apply their judgment and then say, yeah, maybe there's a cheaper option here that's more affordable for the patient. In addition to that, we're bringing in, you know, different pharmacy channels. So if normally a physician's writing a 30-day prescription, but we might let them know, hey, if you wrote a 90-day prescription at the retail pharmacy, it would be this cost. And if you did a mail order pharmacy, it would be a, you know, even cheaper cost. So we're bringing all that information in, arming the provider to have that conversation with the patient. And we're bringing it in real time directly from the payer. Now that's important also because Neil talked about the trust that the provider wants to have in that information. And so that information coming directly from the payer is important and, and provider knowing that gives them confidence in that conversation with the patient because we're talking about dollars and cents now with the patient. And we're also bringing in if that medication that's being prescribed requires a prior auth or if there's any other uh, uh, step therapies or age limitations or anything like that. So that's also arming the provider to say, hey, this I know this prescription, what I'm trying to prescribe uh, is good for the patient, but there is a prior authorization needed for this. Maybe there's an alternative that I deem as, as a physician that this is equivalent, but does not require prior auth. So that's helping with that second aspect where the patient said it might take too long to fill. They can also try to address that. And as they're addressing that, they're also addressing some of the administrative burden that their practice may have in, in doing a prior auth. Okay. So understanding where that information is coming from is giving trust to the provider and having all that information so the provider can understand the cost trade-offs um, and, and where the patient sits with their affordability all goes into making the most uh, optimal decision for, for a patient. And ultimately, like Neil described, it's all leading to better adherence outcomes for the patient, right? The patient can actually pick up that medication and actually get the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. Yusuf, tell us about some of the innovations or opportunities on that pricing side and when we're looking at prescription drug cost. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we continue to optimize on the information that we're getting. So some of the things that some of the payers have started doing is bringing in plan cost. So that's a cost that might be meaningful to practices or health systems that are part of an IDN uh, or an ACO, uh, Affordable Care Organization, or an Integrated Delivery Network that uh, want to see the impact of the cost, not only to the patient, but also to the plan. There might be multiple medications that are um, same price for the patient or cheaper for the patient, but um, are also cheaper for the plan. And, and you know, so they can take that into account. So that's an innovation that's coming in. Neil talked about, uh, you know, there's coverage and that's important to a provider. They want to get information, not only for their insured patients, but also for their uninsured patients. So we're trying to bring in uh, information for uninsured patients related to drug discount programs that are out there. So that that's another uh, innovation that's coming out. So I want to ask you about some of that prescriber behavior. Um, when you're looking at understanding these details, these accuracy levels here, um, how is it impacting the decisions in the prescribing process and impacting the patient experience? Yeah, that's a great question, Dennis, because ultimately that's what we're after, right? Improving the patient outcomes and, uh, you know, bringing down the, the cost of healthcare overall. So the, the answer there is a resounding yes. There is behavior change happening with the providers, um, and that can be evidenced in the fact that all the transactions going across our network for real-time prescription benefit 
you know, and with the new prescriptions that are being written, we can see that in the first three quarters of 2021 across our network, we've saved about $20 million, $21 million uh, in estimated patient savings. So that those are options, those are scenarios where a patient, uh, the physician was trying to prescribe the medication to a patient, but then saw some alternatives, had a conversation with the patient and decided to change it to a more affordable option. So you aggregate that's $21 million. So now that sounds great. Um, but in reality is that's still a very small amount. It's not even about 2% of the total dollars that were available to be saved. So it's a great start, uh, but you know, we need to continue to work together to drive more savings for patients when the opportunity exists. The other thing I'll just add to that is um, the number of prior auths that were avoided in the first, again, the first three quarters of the year, the fourth quarter numbers come out later uh, in January, avoided about 12,000 prior authorizations uh, on the network. Um, and I know the numbers related to that patient savings number that I spoke about, a Prima uh, accounted for about $2 million of that. So that's a, that's a great contribution there from Prima or EMDs. Um, and ultimately, the whole healthcare system benefiting here, right? Patients are having better outcomes because they're being more adherent, like Neil described. They're saving money. Prescribers are having these improved relationships. We've heard prescribers talk about how that drives more trust with their patient population when they can actually have a cost conversation and they're armed to do that. Um, and the health system is reducing costs related to medications. So overall, uh, it's, a, it's a benefit for the whole healthcare system. Okay. I mean, that is exciting that there is savings taking place now, but there's so much opportunity for even additional savings down the road as uh, those prescribers get more educated on this. So that, that is really great. Thanks so much, Yusuf. Um, I want to turn back to Neil for a minute. So Neil, in the heat of the prescribing and dispensing battle, which of the details behind the dollars aspects that Yusuf just shared, um, do you feel are most critical to that workflow and ultimate priorities for really for your organization and for the physicians and staff? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of what, what he said, but because it's directly from the payers, it's from the PBMs, uh, that the benefit, the pharmacy management managers, that really makes a big difference. That adds a lot of trust and information. And there's only things that only they can know. So I mentioned a little bit earlier, he mentioned, we talked about prior authorization. Well, you know, a drug could be on prior authorization in a formulary, but that patient might've already got prior authorization. So they don't have to do it again because it might be good for a year. Only the PBM really knows that information. And so by coming directly from the PBM, that allows us to provide that information. And that makes a huge difference. I think uh, that was a big cha game changer when we were able to really get that information in real time is one thing. And the second thing is we try to bring up that information we mentioned, talk about as early up in the process as we can. So once that provider has picked a drug, well, you know, it might take 30 seconds to write a particular script prescription once you do the number of pills and how frequently and all that stuff. So as earlier in the process as we can, we say, hey, this drug's not on formulary. They might be picking a different drug that might actually have a different kind of prescription script to it. So again, we really focus on how can we get the information earlier so we don't have the physician waste time, write a script for something that he's not going to fill because he's going to change it hopefully change it like we, like Yusuf mentioned earlier to a cheaper alternative that saves the patient money and saves the, uh, the whole system money as well. So um, it's, it, the, main, the thing I find interesting, you know, both as a patient, like we all are, and, and more on the pre prescriber side, 
is when we go to meetings and we talk to the pharmacy benefit managers and the, and the pharmacists, how complicated all this stuff really is behind the scenes. You might think of, oh, how much does this drug cost a plan? It's something that's easy to figure out. And it's not. All the details behind the scenes, it's just amazing how uh, complex that stuff really is. And so I think our job is to simplify it for the audience as best as we can. And that's what's really important. Okay. Neil, I want to stay with you for one more question then. Yusuf was talking about building that trust. So when you're thinking about data, how can that help in building trust between, you know, the provider and those uh, patients there? I think it really does. Because I think it really, when that provider tells that patient how much that drug's going to cost, and they go to the pharmacy, and it really is what that uh, provider told that patient. I think that patient looks at that provider and has a new respect for them. Says, "Hey, that provider is not just looking out for my health, but they're looking out for my financial well-being. They're really trying to work with me to find the best uh, treatment for whatever the condition that patient has." And, and I think it makes them look at that provider and say, "Well, you know, I want to stay with that provider because that provider is looking out for me in many different aspects." And I think that's really important, especially as Providers compete for patients nowadays and, and you have all this information and misinformation out there when you actually get something and you find it to be true, you now believe that person. So that next thing that provider tells you, maybe it's not about prescriptions, but about something else in your healthcare treatment, you're going to believe that provider because the last thing they told you was true and it came, came to pass and that gives you that extra confidence. And we all know about misinformation today and in, in all over the world, and especially in healthcare. So. Yeah, no, building trust is so key, and uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit here, and what we're going to look at now is collaboration, how that drives prior authorization, transparency, and success. Um, Kelly, uh, I want to turn to you for this section. So help us understand how uh, an optimized formulary can help with the prospective electronic prior authorization process. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Daniel. Let me start out by defining prospective prior authorization Thank you. <laughs> for those who might not be familiar. When we talk about prospective, what we mean is that the prior authorization is completed and approved before the patient even really leaves the provider's office. So before the prescription is sent to the pharmacy, the prior auth is done. Um, on the flip side, retrospective means when the prior auth or when the prescription is sent to the pharmacy and the prior auth has not been done, the pharmacist tries to fill it, runs the claim, and it gets rejected because the prior authorization is needed. So more back-end work is needed when it comes to retrospective prior authorizations. And then when we talk about optimized formulary, there are a couple critical features and fields within a formulary and within an eligibility transaction that need to be populated in order for the provider, the prescriber to even know that a prior authorization is required within their EHR workflow. Without those critical fields populated, the provider has no idea that they need to have a prior auth done. And that's when, that's when the workflow drops into the retrospective workflow. Another key aspect of optimizing the formulary is making sure all of the, uh, the drugs that do require prior authorization are flagged as needing prior auth. So there's a specific file within the formulary um, that indicates whether this specific drug needs a prior auth. And without that being flagged as yes, it doesn't appear to the provider as a requirement. 
So when those things don't happen, it really disrupts that prior process and leads to patient dissatisfaction, decreased adherence, as we've heard others talk about. And what we've been really focusing, especially in the last couple of years at SureScripts with our PBM and health plan partners, is really making sure those critical fields are populated and the appropriate drugs are flagged as needing prior off. And I want to share some of our most recent success stories that we've sure. had. Um, we've had a couple of our PBM partners really focus on flagging those appropriate drugs as needing prior off in their, their PA list file. And we've seen them have about a 20 to 30% increase in the number of PA requests, which is a completed question set sent from a provider to the PBM or health plan, a 20 to 30% increase in volume um, of those prospective prior authorizations, which is huge when it comes to time savings and operational efficiencies. And then when we talk about making sure critical fields within eligibility are populated. We've worked most recently with, with one of our payer partners and just taking some minimal steps to populate those fields gave them a 33% increase in those PA requests being sent to them. So really just the minor improvements that we work really hard with on, hard on with our PBM partners leads to such a great increase in that prospective volume, um, really improving that prior authorization process. Okay. So staying with you, Kelly, um, what advancements are you and your team seeing that further streamline the prior authorization process? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the most recent enhancements that are coming with the move to a new version of prior authorization, so the NCPDP script version 2017071, um, which is rolling out to the industry as we speak. A couple of the really key features that we are seeing our partners take advantage of that are improving that prior off process are things like the prior priority indicator where a prescriber or their support staff are able to indicate if this prior off request is in urgent status so that the PBM or health plan can prioritize that in their workflow. Uh, the ability for a PBM or health plan to send a request for a renewal directly to the prescriber. So instead of having the patient show up to the provider and their, their PA is rejected because it's expired, the PBM is aware of when the expiration date is. So they're able to proactively send a renewal request to the provider to get that PA uh, renewed prior to the patient even coming in for a refill or their medication. So that's a really massive improvement in prior health workflow. Uh, we also at SureScripts are introducing some functionality that helps with collaboration between our specialty pharmacies and providers. So we provide a gateway for specialty pharmacists to collaborate and help answer questions uh, before sending it over to the provider to complete, uh, to really expedite the, the processing of uh, prior authorizations, especially for specialty medications. And then we're starting to do a little bit of dabbling in the clinical data space. So using clinical data to automate prior authorizations, which is extremely exciting, extremely challenging. Uh, but once we figure this out and get it right, it's going to be such a huge game changer. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. I want to stay with you for one more question on collaboration. So 
What about in those cases when the prospective initiation is not being done or it's not applicable at the time? How are the current transaction standards helping still to drive collaboration at that point? Right, sure. So obviously the pr prospective workflow is ideal because of all of the reasons we spoke about before. But as you mentioned, there are still many instances where the prescription does get to the pharmacy and it needs to be done um, retrospectively to get a prior authorization approved. So one of the standards right now in the industry is an our exchange for prior authorization transaction in which the pharmacist is able to send an electronic uh, message to the prescriber's workflow or their clinical support staff to initiate that prior authorization. So while it's not ideally prospectively, it's still in the electronic workflow, which is a faster turnaround time than a manual phone or fax workflow. Uh, and we also have a solution that we are offering to our, our PBM and health plan partners, which we call the benefit plan initiated prior authorization gateway, where when the, the PBM and health plan call center representatives get phone calls or faxes from the physician office, they're able to plug that into the electronic workflow um, and put it back into a more, uh, a quicker, more efficient workflow than uh, continuing via phone or fax. Okay, thanks so much. Um, mm -hmm. I wanna get a final thought here from you, Neil. Uh, so on the prescriber side and the EHR side, who are the stakeholders? Who are the right people to get involved in the prior auth process? whether at the time of prescribing or when responding to a request from the pharmacy? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's not the physician. A lot of times it is the, a, a nurse or a medical assistant that's really helping the provider gather uh, that information and respond to it. And so one of the things that we've done in our particular EHR is make a workflow that fits that. You know, the original design was, oh, you know, let's do it right time of prescribing, physician can do it, all that stuff, but that's not how it worked in the real world. So we create workflows that allow the physician to do it if they do have time or it's necessary, but also allow it to be uh, tasked off to a, a medical assistant or a nurse to fill that out, maybe still before the patient leaves the office, right, but not the physician that doing it themselves. So it's important to really have flexibility there that really fits the different workflows, because if you're not flexibility, it doesn't get done, and, and that's a, a key piece to, to what's really important. Okay. One of the things that we all know, I think it was brought up here earlier today, is uh, staffing, burnout, all those issues revolved about, around that. So, Neil, staying with you, how have improvements um, in these processes, how have they helped in the efficiencies and helped with physician staff workflow? So there isn't that overburden, there isn't all of those other issues that are taking place now. Well, probably the biggest one, and, and uh, you know, she mentioned a little bit earlier, is you know, when you have a, in the old paper world for EPA, you get a form, you have to fill out every piece of information on that form. And you don't know what pieces of information are really important and what pieces of information are just part of the generic form. And especially for different drugs, uh, you know, different pieces of information are important. So one of the really cool things about the way SureScript implements it is it'll ask you a set of questions. And, you know, based on the answer to question A, the, the next question or might not, will be very different because if question A resolved it, I've seen EPAs with one question. The physician has to ask for one question. Now the EPA is approved. If you had to fill out a paper form, you know, it probably would take you, you know, a couple minutes and you answered probably 30 questions. So really doing that makes a big difference. And I'm excited to hear about how she talks about the looking to be able to 
automate, take parts of the medical record and automatically fill out those forms. I know we're starting to do that in the specialty arena and doing that in EPA. Again, one of the things physicians always tell us they hate is just like patients, filling out the same information three times. I just charted in the chart, the patient has this, this, and this. Why now in the prior authorization, do I have to document that again? Why can't the system just pull it for me? Sounds simple, but like we mentioned, it's actually very hard to do, very complicated, <laughs> but really, you know, I, I'm excited to hear that we're taking technology and you really using technology to do some of these things. And so I think the future is definitely a lot brighter in the past. And this will make that process a lot easier, a lot quicker. And, you know, the last thing I mentioned is turnaround time. You know, many prior authorizations in the paperwork, it could take days or weeks before that. So if you think about it, you're a patient, you want to get this medication so you can feel better. And now you have to wait weeks or days before you can even get it. And now many of these decisions can be made in minutes. Well, that's a big difference. So now when I go to the pharmacy that day, I can be taking the drug that's going to make me feel better. That makes a big difference, I think, to the patients as well. All right. Well, Neil, thank you for those insights. That's a great place to end today. So thanks so much, Neil, Yusuf, Scott, and Kelly for being part of this great discussion today. Thank you very much for hosting us. It was great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Yep. Thanks for having us on, Daniel. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Business Solutions Podcast. Thanks to our guests, Neil Simon, Scott Majunas, Youssef Ahmed, and Kelly Bundy. Also, thanks to MGMA's Financial Conference and to CareCloud for sponsoring this week's show. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see out a claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. And Medical Practice Excellent Financial Conference is an industry-leading financial management conference designed to arm healthcare professionals with the education and tools needed to run a more profitable and efficient practice. The financial conference will be held March 31st through April 2nd in Atlanta, Georgia, you can go to mgma.com slash events to register today. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at MGMA.com slash membership. Thanks.